This, it's Mary Ferguson, this I Remember program. Tonight, my guest is Wayne Brown from Marble. He is the mayor of Marble, and he will not only be sharing some of his memories, but he will be sharing some of the good things, the happy things, the exciting things that are happening in Marble. Wayne Brown, tell us of your experiences. Tell us of your experience as a mayor of Marble and all the exciting things that are happening there now. Well, thank you for inviting me, Mary. I appreciate it very much. We uh, are progressing in Marble. We're up to 32 adults, 10 kids, 7 cats, and 8 dogs. Wonderful population. <laughs> At one time, of course, the town was had 1,350 people in it. That was around World War I. It's been a semi-ghost town, as most people in the area know, for many, many years. But in the past three or four years, we've seen a comeback, so to speak. Uh, several new homes are being built. Uh, a lot of lots are for sale. And uh, we have even more children to bust down to Carbondale to go to school. I was teaching here in Carbondale, and of course, we had to set up three sets of records because this school is a part of three counties, Gunnison County, Pitkin County, and Garfield County. And of course, bringing children from Marble was quite exciting. We enjoyed having them. Well, we really appreciate that uh, three-way split, so to speak, in uh, getting our, and we could, uh, to cooperate to get our children down to the Carbondale School because they closed the um, school in Marble in 1939, I believe it was. My wife was a, was a student there. In fact, not too long ago, they found one of her workbooks from 1934, and the curator of the museum gave it to her. She, he said, you can use this more than we can. I think your wife had the same teacher I did, although Mrs. Herman was my teacher in Carbondale, and hers... Teresa Herman? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, she was a teacher there when my wife was in school. There were 200 kids in that school at one time. That's unbelievable. The Historical Society purchased the building. In fact, it was almost given to them. They said that you can have it. The district said you can have the building for a museum if you were to pay the $250 we owe a lawyer. Then the lawyer got soft-hearted and gave it to us, so it didn't cost us anything. But we turned around and put a $6,000 roof on it, too, because you have to start from the top down in old buildings. I think you're also moving the building. Are you no, not moving? No, that's the jail that we plan to move. Oh, on a better foundation. Yeah. No, the building itself is a very sturdy two-and-a-half-story structure with a marble foundation, the museum, that is, the old school building. Two-story high school building. Yes. One mm -hmm. time. Uh, how did it fare during one of the floods? Did it, um, uh, was it almost washed away? No, it's up on the hill on Main Street at 407 West Main Street, and uh, the flood came about uh, four blocks down the stream, down, down the hill on Main Street and crossed Main Street, so it was not touched by either of the floods. It's just been ravaged by time. We're in the throes now, the Museum Society's in the throes now of fixing it up to make it a more presentable museum. The first time I visited Marble, there were boardwalks, there were stores, there were saloons, and all kinds of excitement and going on. And an active jail. An active jail. And our <laughs> team, our Car we had a Carbondale baseball team 
that would go to Marble and play in one of the pastures there. And of course, it always excited us when we could beat Marble, and excited them even more so when they could beat us. Right. Well, that hardball diamond uh, is right where the flight pole is in Marble now, right next to the jail. I have a slide of them playing hardball with the jail in the background back about 1910, 1915. My mother-in-law is 95. She came to Marble in 1908, and her family built a bakery. And uh, she came from Leadville. She knew Baby Doe Tabor and went to school with Silver Dollar Tabor. And her mother's housekeeper was Molly Tobin Brown, the unsinkable Molly Brown. So she goes back a long way. She's in a first-class home for the aged in Denver now, and we get a lot of our stories from her. Her name was Anna Brooks. I remember that name. I hope you have written all of this down and, and taken all of her memories. We've got quite a few uh, tapes. We've got quite, quite a few tapes of her, her experiences. Now, as mayor of Marble... Tell us something about the city itself. Well, a town, like I said, has a population of 42 people. We really don't keep track of how many people come up in the summertime because it's almost impossible. Uh, we are a statutory municipality, which means we have to go by state laws. When it comes to our government, we have seven people that serve on our what we call a town council. It's really the board of trustees. And we meet once a month. And we have a budget of about $23,000 each year. About $3,500 of that is spent for snow plowing because, as you might know, this really snows up there sometimes. I've known Marble to be shut in for, well, from October till probably the 1st of June because of the snow. Yeah, when I first met Teresa Herman during the 1940s, when she would jack her car up and just leave it up for about five months out of the year and just rely on the postman to get groceries to her. So uh, it has been snowbound, but now they keep the road open because they have to bus the children down to Carbondale. The county keeps County Road 3 open down to Highway 133. Well, at one time, that was, you might call it a cow trail. Now you can call it a road or almost call it a highway. Well, pretty close. It's a little narrow because it's the old railroad grade, but they just striped it the other day. The county was good enough to patch it, put in-depth patching on it the last two years, and now they've got a first-class striping job on it, which keeps people from taking their half out of the middle, if you know what I mean, when they're looking at the scenery. When you look over the edge, you want your half in the middle. (laughs) (laughs) It can be a dangerous road, but I worked for the highway department 35 years before I retired, and we had a saying of some of these roads that uh, were substandard, and it's so dangerous it's safe. That's true. Uh, You keep keep the road open now, and of course I think... um, John Darien has been uh, one of the uh, men who has kept the Marble Road open for years. Yes, it's my understanding when he got back from World War II in the late 40s, or mid-40s, I should say, that uh, he got the job and he's had it ever since. I don't know what we're going to do without him when he leaves because he's been an an excellent uh, maintenance man on that particular six-mile stretch. He does the patching, does the snow plowing, and he's quite conscientious. And he makes sure that those kids get to school every day. I don't think there's been a day since I've been up there in the last four years during this uh, school uh, sessions that uh, they've not gotten the kids out to school, even with all the snow. So uh, John Darien has been a real godsend to the valley, at our end of it, that is. Uh, when, um, when did the railroads go out? They took the rails up in the spring of 1942. The... Uh, 
Vermont Marble Company was bankrupt. Uh, the war was coming on, and they needed the metal for uh, the war effort. And Morse Brothers Machinery Company bought all of the rails and all the machinery they could get their hands on up at the Yule Quarry. They didn't buy the machinery up at the Strauss Quarry because it was too hard to get to. So if someone wants to hike up to the Strauss Quarry, they can see a lot of the machinery that was used in, uh, in that particular operation. But to answer your question directly, the, the railroad rails were taken up in the spring of 1942. The um, machinery that's there now, how does it compare with what you have been telling me about the uh, new owners? Well, the marble quarries have been sold. The Vermont Marble Company had owned them all, the quarries, all, the Yule Quarry, I should say, all these years. And just about a month ago, an oil company uh, in Denver uh, branched out, shall we say, and uh, bought the quarries. And they fully intend to open them up next year. Uh, the machinery that they had up there uh, was so obsolete that even if they had it now, why they probably would not be using it. What they're looking at now, these men are in Carrera, Italy, looking at diamond-tipped uh, chainsaws on a machine basis. So that's what they uh, hope to use to quarry the uh, the stone instead of the old-fashioned wire saws and uh, and chisels and feathers and wedges and channeling machines. That's all passe now. Everything is a, a new, it's a new industry now. Will they be building a mill as well? They don't plan to build a mill. They uh, plan to take the marble out in large chunks, bring it down across uh, the present road to the quarries, and uh, probably we'll have to build a new bridge across the Crystal River. And then there is an, uh, some thinking about storing it down on Slate Creek, just outside of town. I don't believe there'll be any finishing uh, done in marble like there was before. Before, we had the largest finishing mill in the world. It was 1,250 feet long and 150 feet in some places wide, and all of the carving was done at the mill site, except for the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, but I don't believe that's their scheme now. I remember when that burned, we could see the red sky from Carbondale when the mill burned. That 1925. Yes. I heard an interesting story the other day from a man that uh, I believe knows that a disgruntled employee torched it. He found out that the water system had been cut off to the mill, and he went down with kerosene cans and torched it. In fact, there was a man there that said, I could still remember the smell of kerosene when we went down to the site afterwards. Really too bad. Well, it was a tremendous, it had to be a tremendous fire because seeing the uh, skyline from here, from Carbondale, would have to take quite a glow. Well, you could see it? Yes, it's from here. From Carbondale? Standing well, on, the, on Main yeah. Street here in Carbondale. We have a picture of the ruins after the uh, fire in the museum, and uh, I couldn't understand how you could see it that far away. Of course, they built some uh, what they call fire walls out of marble after that, and they, they sectioned it off into four different sections, so if they had a fire, just one section would burn down, and the firewall would save the other sections. They weren't smart enough to do that when they first built the mill. You say that um, you need housing in marble. Uh, well, that's my opinion. At Some one time, <laughs> people lived in tents and piano boxes and everything else in marble. And as I remember, marble had a lot of log cabins there. Many of them washed away during one of the floods. So you have, um, you will have a building boom. So in opening marble 
Well, there'll be some. There'll be some people that will come up and work uh, as truck drivers and as uh, quarry people up at the quarry. We don't expect the building boom per se. It depends on your perspective. Just how big a boom is a boom. But uh, there's no doubt that we'll have an impact on the town, and we'll probably get some new bridges, a new bridge, and get some road paving done because the heavy trucks can't uh, can't traverse the road that we have now because the paving isn't thick enough. So there will be some improvement there. Speaking of people living in tents, when my mother-in-law came there as a young girl, about 16 years old, uh, the, the men slept in a Conestoga wagon in the back of uh, the house, or the site where they're going to build a house during the winter, if you can imagine that, and the women slept in the, in the uh, um, marble hotel across the street. So the men had a pretty rough winter sleeping in a Conestoga wagon. I shiver for them. <laughs> no. It gets pretty cold up there. Uh, has, hasn't the um, climate or the winters changed in the past few years? Yes, according to Oscar McCollum, the uh, curator of the museum and former mayor, former board, board member, uh, it comes in three to four year cycles, and we're at the end of this dry cycle. So this year we should see quite a bit of snow. And some of the old timers up there have uh, stories about the, what the woodchucks are doing and the skunk cactus is dying down and all that kind of stuff, so it looks like we're going to have a pretty rough winter this year. Well, that sounds good, if it means more water for next year. Yeah, it's, it's the driest I've ever seen the Crystal River. Since I've been coming up here in 1949, I haven't seen the Crystal River or Carbonate Creek as low as they are, and, and Slate Creek is almost non-existent anymore, so we, we could use the moisture, no doubt about it. I have seen... Uh, all of those streams overflow their banks in past years, which hasn't happened for many years since then. We're, we just don't have the snow. No, I think and it's going to have a, it's, it's going to uh, improve. It just about has to if it goes according to the uh, records that we've been keeping. We can, we can prove historically that we're in a, a dry cycle where we're coming out of it and going into a wet cycle. It has been known to snow as much as 27 feet total in the town of Marble. That's not on the level, but that's accumulated total during the year. That's a lot of snow. That's a lot of snow. Uh, that You do not need a snow machine for that. What about ice? We have had uh, uh, ice across the highway at times. Just form ice bridges across the river. Well, Slate Creek is a real problem. Uh, there just isn't enough money to build uh, a rather large bridge. A bridge would probably have to be five, 600 feet long because Slate Creek comes down and makes what's called an alluvial fan. It spreads out with the mud and the rock it brings down. And uh, the county just doesn't have the funds to do it. And of course, uh, uh, that was where was, is where the money would have to come from. But uh, last year, it, it uh, did have a lot of ice in it and it was almost impassable at times because uh, the, the uh, culvert plugged up and the uh, water would come down Slate Creek and then freeze on the roadway. And we had uh, quite a quite a time until John Darien got down there and cleaned it out with his cat. So that Slate Creek right out of town, about two miles this side of town, is, a, is, is always a problem. It's a continuous problem. The cemetery out of Marble is quite an interesting place. And uh, it's... Uh, does it belong to the town of Marble, or is it uh, no, it's private to the property. county? It belongs to the Darien Ranch, the Darien oh. family. Okay. We've been negotiating to try to get them to uh, give it to the town, but they don't seem to be too conducive to that. We that would like to keep it up with town funds, but we can't spend any public money on private property until they give us the land. And I hope that uh, 
we're, that our negotiations will continue to where uh, the Darien family will see fit to uh, deed that small 0.4 acre site over to the town so we can uh, fix it up. It needs, uh, it is a historical site and it has uh, way back in the early 1900s on their gravestones. So it, it would be wonderful to have it better taken care of than it is now. It's the property of the uh, Darien family. Elder Darian yes. lives right here in She lives in next door to me. She does, huh? Yes. Well, we're still negotiating. We hope that we can mm-hmm. obtain it. If we obtain it, we'll put a new fence up around it and uh, and keep it maintained. Have there been any new graves there in, within recent years? Well, two years ago, uh, a, a young couple called the town clerk, and the town clerk referred him to me, and they had a uh, stillborn baby. Well, the baby lives just several hours, and they weren't... Uh, uh, too well off at the time, and they also loved the marble area, so they came to me and said, we'd like to bury our baby in the uh, local plot. So I said, well, it belongs to the Darien people, so uh, they called the Darians, and they said yes, and here I am down there digging a grave at 7 o'clock at night in a rainstorm, wondering, what am I doing down here on my hands and knees with this shovel? <laughs> so that baby was was uh, buried there, and it's got a marble tombstone, and that was the, la- the latest of... Uh, Maybe a half a dozen in recent years, shall we say. Well, uh, what about vandalism there at the yeah, cemetery? We've had quite a bit. Uh, people have come in with hammers and, uh, and uh, ruined several of the tombstones. They had a, uh, a small lamb that uh, was just, uh, just about the size, the uh, actual size of a small lamb, and somebody knocked the head off of it. Uh, recently, we haven't had much uh, vandalism. One reason is that we went in with a chainsaw and cleaned up the trees and uh, tore the uh, existing wire fence out that uh, that was pretty bad eyesore and kind of straightened it up a little bit. And also, uh, some volunteers put some white crosses on some of the graves, and that that told the people that it's a viable uh, cemetery. So uh, we've had less vandalism since that happened than we did before. You spoke of some vandalism in town on some of your um, uh, posters. Oh, yeah, because but you you know, when you get tourists streaming through town, and uh, uh, you just have to put up with it. <laughs> well, we don't have any law in the town, so to speak. We do have the deputy sheriff that comes over on routine patrol, but we don't have uh, a marshal in town anymore. But uh, you just learn to live with that kind of stuff. We don't have much crime in, in Marble. No, you have a lot of activity among yourselves. Yes, we and had a name ma- calling. <laughs> <laughs> we had a we had a, ma- a Masonic convention, a national uh, or not a national, a statewide convention. We had three hundred Masons in town here about two months ago. I think it was on a national basis. I think we had uh, some national people there. Well, we had national people here, but basically yeah, it was a Colorado it was, state yes. convention. They're going to have it every year or two down at the mill. I understand that they are going to do that. Uh, tell us something about that one. Well, they came to the town council about a year ago and uh, said, uh, we'd like to have a convention and we'd like to have it at the mill site. And would it be all right? We said, well, certainly, we welcome you. And they said, well, we're going to have a parade. We plan to have a parade. Would that be all right? Would it tie up traffic? And we kind of <laughs> speckered a little bit and said, no, no more than 2,000 sheep going through town. <laughs> and it came yeah. off rather well. They dedicated a, a, a stone uh, made of marble a marker uh, to the uh, at the same site, I believe it was 1913, that uh, the Masonic Lodge was in in effect up there. So uh, that's all marked with a four foot high, two foot by two foot uh, 
bronze mar- or I mean uh, marble marker. The Masonic Lodge here has uh, all the pedestals made by marble, and we're very very proud of them hmm. because it is not all chapters that have uh, marble pedestals. Most of them are are wooden ones, uh-huh. but we have the marble ones. Uh, have you seen the um, the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier? Yes. Uh, my wife's uh, dad was one of the superintendent up at the quarries, and he actually was working up there when they quarried that, that huge block. So 1964, uh, we went to the World's Fair, and we stopped by uh, Washington, D.C., and I've got a photograph of her looking at what her dad helped quarry. Well, as it came by the school building here in Carbondale, we let school out so that all the kids could go out and watch that big block go by. And, of course, I have seen the finished product, too. And it is, it's really wonderful to know that that's part of Colorado. Well, yeah, Elmer Bear, who lives here in, in Carbondale now, uh, is, was the engineer. Was the engineer on the trolley that, uh, the tram, I should say, electric tram that brought that block out. And uh, they almost lost it. They had to take it off the, the uh, tram and then slide it down, drag it down on the rails because the brakes uh, were starting to give way. It was the largest uh, single block of marble ever quarried. And, of course, it's also the steepest uh, trail for it to travel on. The, yeah, it's, the, it's quite a grade. The grade, grade goes, was terrific. That grade goes uh, probably 12-15% in some places. You know, Elmer Bear has uh, reserved a right-of-way uh, he used to own all that property after the bill and the uh, Vermont people moved out. And as he sold some of that property, he reserved a right-of-way so that anyone who wanted to reopen the mill would have access to that property. Open the quarry, too, you mean? Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, open the quarry. Yeah, I didn't right. mean mill. So, uh, well, I'm sure the people that bought it in Denver will be contacting you if they have not yet. He's quite a fellow. He comes up every now and then to the uh, to the museum and gives us a lecture about the old days. He has quite a book. Oh, I read that a, book. Yes, <laughs> I would recommend that book to anybody that's interested in the history of the valley. I uh, used the book for Christmas presents last year. It was such a nice thing to send to people who had left this mm. valley to read his book and who knew the Bear family. Of course, I've known them all my life. When Elmer came to town one time, he he tells this on himself, and his name is Bear, B-A-I-R, and uh, a horse reared up on him when he was up uh, tending his sheep, and his six-shooter went off, and he shot himself in the leg. So he came into town, he stopped in at the local pop stand to get get a uh, bottle of pop, and the blood was running down his leg, and and I believe it was Teresa Herman or maybe Rome Eisler, one of the two, said, uh, uh, what happened, Elmer? He says, I shot a bear. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he he is very witty, and uh, he's uh, very active. Does he still run sheep up there? I don't know whether he does or not. Uh, he's still got his ranch up there. I know that. Oh. I just talking to him about a week ago about improving the road up to his uh, access, so he's very active. He uses it not only as a ranch, but as a retreat. He is a very... I wouldn't call him a religious man, but he certainly is a wonderful Christian. He certainly is. And it's, uh, 
it's great to know that we have a record of his life and um, I hope that uh, we will have more such stories of the of the people who live here and, or who have lived here. I think Teresa Herman has some books out. Yeah, hers was the uh, Crystal River Valley Saga. It's a pamphlet type book and it has some very, very good information in it. Uh, it's available at the general store in Marvel during the summer when Dave Jones opens his store up. He uh, had it reprinted and he's got uh, several cases of those books. But we've had three books uh, uh, that have been published on Marvel and the area up there. And uh, one of them was by Dwayne Vanden Bush. It's called Marvel City of Stone. And that's probably the best one uh, that I've seen for is the Is he from Gunnison? Price. Yes, he was. He uh, still is, I believe, a, a professor. At Gunnison. At uh, Western State College. Yes. And a tremendous speaker, too. You should go to any of his lectures you see advertised. You should go to his, his uh, talks. What else do you see f- for Marble? Well, I think the area is going to boom because we are surrounded, surrounded by the Marble Metropolitan District. And not too long ago, about uh, I think it was eight or nine months ago, they floated $5 million worth of bonds. And that this money will be available here in just a few months and can be borrowed at a, at a reasonable rate of interest. And the uh, ski area wants some of the money. The uh, Metro Reservoir wants some of it. I understand there's plans possibly for a golf course. And I think in the next year or two, that uh, you're going to see quite a bit of development in the valley. Some people are against it. Some people are for it. I'm kind of in the middle. I'm retired, <laughs> so I don't need the money. But uh, on the other hand, if we had a few more houses in, in Marble, we'd have a better tax base, and we could pave the roads and uh, do a lot of things. We're a pretty poor town right now, but I think give us about two years, is going to be a, a complete change. Well, I certainly hope so. I'm looking forward to it. You do have a landing strip now where... Uh, you can come in by plane if, yes. if you... Yes. fellow named Bob Conger bought that. It's a private airport now. Oh. But uh, he does come in, and sometimes he leaves his plane there during the winter. So I was always going to go down there and put a sign up, Marble International, <laughs> and have two arrows, <laughs> luggage going one way and customs the other way. But it wouldn't last a day. Somebody would swipe it. <laughs> well, it would be uh, of some historical value. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, Bob Conger's a nice fellow. He's taken me up in his airplane and, uh, when I was trying to get the, uh, some photographs for a dredging project. And uh, I'm sure that he wouldn't mind at all if anybody wanted to use that airport just with permission. And also that uh, it could be used as an emergency pl- uh, field also. I've seen twin-engine airplanes take off there. on that. Yeah, it's almost a mile long. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's fellow good named, to uh, know. A fellow named Wade Laudermilk built it back in the yes, 40s. Yes, I know that. Well, it's been great having you talking to us, and as Marble, Marble progresses, I would like to have you come back again. Well, we'll give so, you an update every year uh, at least. How's that'd that, be, that would be wonderful. Maybe I'll know a little more of the particular details the next time I come down. Good. Because it's all in the planning stages now. You've been talking to, you've been listening to Wayne Brown on this I Remember program, Mary Ferguson. Thank you for tuning in to Carbondale Historical Society's podcast. This episode is part of our This I Remember audio archive. This archive are interviews conducted in the 1980s and 90s by Mary Ferguson, a longtime resident of Carbondale, born in Spring Gulch. These interviews, 
aired on KDNK and were recently donated to the Historical Society by Mary's descendants. The Historical Society wants to thank KDNK, Seven Stars, Rebecca Lodge, number 91, Alpine Bank, and Meredith and Dan Bullock Ferguson's family, as well as the many other donors and volunteers who came together to save these tapes and make them forever available to our Carbondale community. Enjoy. This is This I Remember program, Mary Ferguson on KDNK, and tonight I have Wayne Brown as my guest. He is the mayor of Marble, and I think he has some exciting news to tell us tonight. Wayne, it is all yours. Well, Marble is progressing uh, so well that it's actually hard to believe. The Marble quarries are going to reopen. They've been closed since 1941. The people that are going to reopen them have reorganized the Colorado Ewell Marble Company. There are three oil people, uh, oil-oriented people, I should say, from the Denver area, and they realize that uh, the production and the consumption of marble is uh, cyclical, as they call it. It goes in circles. It goes in waves, so to speak. And it's come around to where the consumption of marble is uh, at a great demand now, uh, not only for domestic, but also for the European market. It is such pure, beautiful marble. It's the whitest and the purest white marble in the world, even better than the Carrera marble quarries in Italy. It is uh, remarkable. The... Uh, wonderful statues, buildings, monuments that we have with marble, marble. And it's really exciting to think that, once again, marble is going to be taken all over the world. Yeah, and I'm glad you said marble, marble, because uh, the old timers up there, when uh, I first went up with my, my bride back in 49, uh, some of the tourists used to come in and uh, talk to the, uh, the Marbleites and say, is this Vermont marble? And I say, no, dadgummit, it's marble marble. It's not Vermont marble. The first time, well, not the first time I went up there, because I've gone up there ever since I was a kid. But when I was in high school, that's all right. When I was in high school, uh, I um, worked for Frank Pierce, who was the editor of the Carbondale paper. And he sent me to Marvel to pick up subscriptions and advertising. And I went up on the little old choo-choo. It was a thrill of a lifetime. The Crystal River and San Juan Railroad? It was called the Bull of the Woods then. And they also <laughs> called it the Cat Runs and Seldom Jumps Railroad. Right. Anyway, I went up and I stayed overnight. And I got some advertising for the paper and some subscriptions. And, oh, I was on my way to college. <laughs> so Marvel has been... How long ago was that? In the 1920s. 1920s. Yes, late 1920s. What? Uh, how far have they progressed now in uh, this new company? In what well, the new company has uh, gone back to uh, Proctor, Vermont, to the Vermont Marble Company, and offered to buy the quarries that are called the Ewell, was called the Ewell Marble Company. Uh, they refuse to sell the quarry, so they've leased them for 70 years. And they have investigated the uh, 
modern methods of quarrying marble, and uh, several of these gentlemen have gone to Carrera, Italy, and Verona, Italy, and found out how to quarry marble in the modern way. And the way they do it is with diamond-tipped chainsaws that are on a machine that runs on rails rather than the old channeling machines. And they can do this so quietly that you can hardly hear these machines outside of the quarry. They are going to quarry 5 foot by 5 foot by 10 foot blocks of marble. And these will weigh 43,000 pounds. And they're going to load them on highway vehicles inside the quarry and take them down to a railhead. That's their proposal right now, down to the railhead here at Carbondale and then shipped them to an unknown place now. They haven't decided where they're going to actually end up. But uh, once they leave marble, well, we'll never see them again. So uh, I don't know. I know finished just, product somewhere Except the, the finished product. They, they have talked about possibly uh, making the marble tile for the Denver airport. And since the controversy on Always Buy Colorado came up with the Wyoming quarry, they may get in on the... Uh, the uh, convention center in downtown Denver. That'd be great. Well, I think it would. It's This is wonderful. You said for 70 years. Will there be marble there for 70 years? Well, the marble vein, or the marble uh, layer, I should say, is 99% pure calcium carbonate that uh, is basically 136 million year old seabed. It's a uh, Leadville limestone that was turned into metamorphic rock by the pressure from above and the heat from below uh, from the magma of the earth 136 million years ago during the Jurassic period. And this uh, tilt of this bed goes down 45 degrees into the earth for miles and miles and miles. And it's 150 feet thick. So there's just an almost uh, unfathomable uh, uh, amount of marble to be taken out. It's going to last many of our lifetime. Well, it'll last, outlast you and me anyway. Oh, yes. I'm sure that. <laughs> and I remember when they brought the big block of marble down for the unknown soldiers, too. Right. We let out school that day so that all the kids could go out on the railroad track and watch that big, beautiful block go by. And, of course, Elmer Bear, who lives here in town, brought the block from the quarry to marble. Yeah, he was a tram operator. He was a tram operator. Got $6 a day. $6 a day. Oh, my. That's unfathomable also. Right. People making $6 a day. Well, my husband worked for $75 a month, and we were rich at that time, way back when. Potatoes were two cents a pound, too, right? And I... uh, spend about five dollars a week for groceries because we lived on a farm and we had everything and anything that we needed except sugar and salt and something like that me too most of my life was spent on a farm and we just went out and took it out of the garden and killed our beef killed the hogs and so uh, things were relatively cheap Uh, the old uh, road to the quarry I think it's going to remain as it is. Yes, it is. It'll have to be improved because they have to take a 11-foot, 1-inch wide piece of equipment up that road. So they will have to improve the road. They intend to widen it. Uh, these people are very dedicated to the environmental aspects. They're going to put out many turnouts on the road so that people can get out of the way, so to speak, of the trucks coming down and going back up. 
They also will gravel the road all the way up to three and a half miles up to where they are going to go up to through Quarry Town and then go into a tunnel about 200 feet long to the base of the quarries and drain the water out and also run the highway vehicles in through that tunnel. But in some of that road, A, I think you're just walking on air. Seems like it's nothing oh, these, below you. Yeah, these people are, they've hired a, a mechanic, they've hired an engineer. He's a civil engineer. I was going to say mechanical engineer, but they've got that on the side too. This is a civil engineer. His name is Rex Lowsby, and he really impresses me as he knows what he's doing. They're going to improve the road just as much as they possibly can. It still will be a one-way road, essentially, but there'll be a lot of turnouts on it so people can stay out of the way of the trucks. They're not going to impede the tourist traffic, traffic any more than they have to. That's great for all of us. Yeah, speaking of that, they're going to go around Windy Point, for those of you that know where Windy Point is, and not disturb the... Uh, Footbridges that were put in with a BLM grant about two years ago, and they're not going to take down the, the fences around the quarry. They're not going to fight gravity like the old-timers did. They're going to go with gravity, tunnel into the bottom of the quarries, run highway trucks in there, and truck the box out with just one movement. They won't transfer them two or three times. Uh, how will this affect employment? Well, the, with the modern methods of... Uh, Quarrying, it, it won't be too much of an increase of in, in, in employment in the area. It'd be from 12 to 20 people probably running these automatic machines. And they're not going to finish the marble in marble. They're going to take it downstream, down to a railhead. So instead of having, say, uh, two or three hundred people up there working in the quarries and a couple of hundred people maybe working up at the, at the uh, or down at the mill, why the, the, this, this is not going to happen. It'd be 15 to 20 people is about all. Then it'll not affect the tourists. Well, it will. It will bring many, many tourists into this area. Oh, yeah, with the publicity we've gotten already. I got a, a friend in Florida, and we were on UPI okay. with this, and it was in the newspaper in Florida, and she sent it to a friend of mine about the quarries opening up and so on. Well, it was also in Virginia. I have a son in Richmond, Virginia, and I talked to him this morning, and he mentioned this. Yeah. So, so it is news everywhere. It's delightful. Well, we intend to uh, make sure that they do it right environmentally and also like i said the road is five and a half or 3.5 miles of the roadway will be improved and they must uh, improve the road through town and out of town down to highway 133 and the county is meeting with them uh, uh, in january they're going to have a public hearing to see what they want to do with the improvement of the roads i uh, read the article that was in the journal and i was interested in your population report you're even to the, down to the chickens. <laughs> How many people do you have in Marble right now? Well, I just counted, and it was 19 adults and 9 children. Four dogs and five cats. I don't know about the chickens. Well, it's... We uh, eat them, you know. <laughs> Marble is, will be growing, and it's a delightful place. We go up there in the summertime. Well, it's not going to be another Aspen or another Breckenridge That's or, great. or another Vale. That it's, part it's, is it's great. Not, there's not the potential there. But the quarry opening, uh, they intend to quarry 240,000 cubic feet of, of marble per year. And it'll be a, a, an operation where they will quarry the raw marble. They don't intend to finish it up here. But it uh, will improve the road. Do you think the ski course will ever open up there, or do you think there will be a ski course ever up there? You know, well, there is, it once. there is a ski course up there now, and it's operable. It has a diesel engine on it. Uh, the Marble Metro District, which is a, like a small county surrounding Marble, 
not too long ago, about six months ago, floated a $5 million bond issue. And this bond money is up for about uh, 8% or so, and that's pretty good for that kind of money. And the developers uh, in the area are looking to borrow that money. It looks like you have 17 very enthusiastic people to, uh, to sponsor something like that. Well, the Marble Metro District uh, is an entity within themselves. We uh, are not connected with them, but they do surround us, so that $5 million bond issue is going to impact Marble. There's no doubt about it. No doubt about it. It's my opinion that uh, they will go ahead and, and the Marble ski area will open up. That's my opinion from the meetings I've gone to. They're real serious about opening it up again. What about the airport up there? Well, the airport's privately owned. Yes, but is it... Uh Will it take care of uh, the traffic that we might have eventually, the air traffic? Well, it's hard to tell. Eventually, it will take care of the immediate need. It's a three-quarter mile long airport, and it'll take uh, twin-engine aircraft. Uh, back when they paved the road about seven years ago, the airport wasn't in as good a shape as it is now, and they actually flew the Gunnison County road workers in with the twin-engine aircraft and flew them out rather than pay the expense of uh, having them stay overnight at Marble. So that's the kind of airport we got. I was, going, I was always going to put a sign down there, Marble International Airport, and put a sign to the left, luggage, and a sign to the right, people, customs. But the sign wouldn't last 24 hours. Somebody would steal it. <laughs> I'm sure of that. I think you've had some other signs already stolen, so yeah. you do know. A few. Now, um, the, uh, the floods that you've had in Marble, uh, there's the possibility that we have another flood eventually. What have they done to more or less protect marble and some of the buildings there in case of another flood? Well, the big uh, problem is Carbonate Creek, which bisects the town. It comes down from a huge geological cirque, about a uh, big funnel, so to speak, about 10 miles square up on Elk Mountain, and between Elk Mountain and Daly Mountain, or Mount Daly, I should say. And when the thunderstorms pause in this big geological cirque, like a funnel, then it comes right down through town. Now, the last big flood we had was 1945. Now, what we've done to alleviate that since I've been on the town council and been mayor, we built a, a new $68,000 bridge to interstate standards on Main Street across Carbonate Creek. We used to have an old railroad flat car deck that went across it, and it was only three and a half feet to the water. Now it's 11 feet to the water and 44 feet wide. Now, the 30th of this month, I'm going to Greeley, and I've applied for a grant for the town for $19,000 with $1,000 of our matching funds for a total of $20,000 to dredge the creek of 8,000 cubic yards of material from the, from the bridge upstream to Marble Street, which is two blocks away. And that would keep this flood water from spreading out all over town. We hope we get this from the Department of Local Affairs Energy Impact Funds. Sounds like you're doing some... Long-range planning. Yes, we are. And that's what it's going to take, especially with a 70-year lease. Yeah, and we uh, will put, uh, one way or another, we're going to get a new bridge across the Crystal River to replace that railroad flat car deck uh, down there by the mill site going up to the quarries. That bridge is going to have to be replaced because it won't stand the, the uh, pressure of these uh, trucks with 43,000-pound blocks coming down. We're still negotiating with the developers and uh, and I'd like to go to the Special Highway Committee of the State Department to see if we can get some funds for that. But we'll get it one way or the other. I'll get that if I have to build it myself. Good for you. That's, uh, 
that's the best way. I built that bridge over Carbonate Creek with the help of Dave Gibbons Construction Company, and we just practically did it just between the two of us. So it's uh, it's the push behind this that's going to make this successful. Well, I think it's a it's a matter of uh, really a matter of leadership. Marble hasn't uh, had the best uh, leadership that I've seen since I've been going up there since 1949 that I've seen in other small towns. It's a matter of motivation, really, not especially leadership, but a matter of motivation. And trying to get government funds. We're such a small town, we only have a $20,000 a year budget. Now, the dredging project is $20,000. And that's why I'm going for the federal grants, not federal grants, I'm sorry, but the state grants, uh, to get money to help a small town that doesn't want to raise its mill levy anymore, it already has, does not want any bonded indebtedness, does not want to float any bonds, because we just can't afford it. You're doing such a great job. Uh, well, my wife tells me I'm doing a great job, and that makes two of you. Well, that's good. That's, that's good. So, uh, and then uh, what about your museum? I'm interested in your museum up there. Well, unfortunately, we're losing our curator and, and president of the museum, Oscar McCollum. Not losing him, he's moving to, to uh, Glenwood Springs. And uh, we're really sorry about that because he's been an, an inspiration to us. I'm vice president of the mu museum board, and I uh, will substitute for him as much as I possibly can. But it's kind of like substituting for Michelangelo or somebody like that. It's pretty hard to follow in his footsteps. Well, I'm sure he'll be very busy in Glenwood because I don't think uh, that he will just stand by and do nothing. No, no, no. He can't do that. He's a dedicated person. He's got his house for sale, and we're sorry to, to lose him, but he's got a good setup here in Glenwood Springs, and it's just another phase of his life that he's going through. And the museum uh, will be sustained. The museum will go on, onward and upward. That's great. Carbondale needs one, and that's what I'm working on now. And I hope not too far away that we shall have a museum here in town. And, of course, with marble being as active as it will be, and... Um, I think we will, and as uh, you said, we'll have to do it ourselves, and we'll do it. That's right, and what you need are volunteers in a museum situation. Uh, we've had some wonderful volunteers that open the museum, or keep it open, I should say, from two to four on weekdays and weekends during the summer, and they're dedicated people because uh, it gets a little boring when there's nobody in there, and then it gets a little hectic on weekends when there are 25, 30, or 40 people in there. We have the little jail here in town. Yeah, I've seen that. And... Uh, there isn't room enough in there to to turn around, really. And people who have come here during the summer will come to my house. And so many people have asked to have me take them to the cemetery. And I've spent more time taking people to the two cemeteries than I have through our little museum. <laughs> and it's uh, it's quite interesting because of the background and the history right. that... Uh, I learn by talking to people who have come back and looking for their relatives. Lo loved ones, yes. Yes. Well, we've got a marble so, cemetery, but it's on private property, and we tried to negotiate with the people that own it, and the deal fell through. I was really sorry about that. Uh, we wanted to take the cemetery over so we could uh, spend some money on it. We cannot spend public funds on private property. That's right. And but that, uh, the deal fell through, and I was really sorry. But uh, I'm, Well, keep working. Not all is lost. I mean, just the first strike is it's, all. It's... Uh, a nice location, and it's uh, something that Marble 
can be proud of. Well, well and the owners can be proud of, right. too. But you mentioned a jail a few minutes ago. I look, got a little story about our jail in Marvel. We got a first-class jail in Marvel. holds four people. And the uh, Ghost Town Club of Colorado offered to send us $200 startup money and to send 40 people up this summer and rebuild that jail and also work on the mill site, cleaning it up, the mill site park, and also paint the inside of the museum. So they came up on Labor Day weekend, and these fellas uh, tore the whole floor out of our jail after moving the jail cells back and doing it in front of it, or the back of it, and then doing the, doing the front, moving the jail cells, which are, which are a one-unit jail cell, back and forth, and they put a brand-new floor with floor joists and two-by lumber, tongue and groove, all throughout the floor of the jail. So you've got a brand-new floor in our jail, and they also finished the roof that we started two years ago. All free, and they gave us $200 startup money, and the town contributed another $1,000 for the materials. That sounds great. That so anybody, sounds like an unbelievable story. So anybody that comes through Marble, when we got a stoplight and goes through our stoplight, we don't have one yet, we're going to put him in jail. <laughs> That's uh, a threat? That's a threat. <laughs> Definite threat. <laughs> well, coming from the mayor, might have some teeth in it. <laughs> Yeah. There'll never be a railroad back there. I doubt it very much. Too expensive, and uh, with the automobile yes. traffic and, and the uh, truck traffic, uh, truck types that we have today, it really wouldn't be feasible or necessary. It's, uh, we have improved the road, though, from uh, the railroad. The old railroad bed, you know, is the present road into yes, Marble. Yes, I know that. Right. But we have improved it. The county spent $63,000 on it in the past two years, putting culverts in and, and uh, blade and patching it. And he also striped it. Now, that was the best thing they'd done in a long time because it keeps the tourists from taking their half out of the middle when they come down here at 40 miles an hour when it ought to be 20. Well, it keeps everybody over to one side. So many of them are afraid of that road because when you look over the edge, there's a lot of space down below. Well, as we used to say in the highway department, uh, sometimes the road is so dangerous that it's safe because people will automatically slow down. That's a good slogan. Yep. So dangerous it's safe. A lot of intersections are like that. Like, uh, <laughs> I shouldn't say, but like the mousetrap in Denver. It's so oh, dangerous right. it's safe. <laughs> but they did stripe the road with a double stripe all the way down. And that really, it keeps me on the right side of the road. And if it keeps me on the right side, I'm sure it keeps everybody else. So the county has done this. Of course, this is an election year, you know. We had the county commissioners over and had a big dinner and uh, had a big meeting. And uh, things happen during election years that don't happen uh, during the other years. Off years, I should say. People have come out for election this year that I haven't heard of for a, a long time, but they came out to vote this year, and it's it's great when people come out to yeah. vote. We had a referendum on liquor that you might have read about in Marvel too. Yes, three we to three. A, yeah, well, it was a fifteen to fifteen. Okay. Okay, we got thirty-two adults in Marvel, and uh, thirty of these adults came out. So that's a ninety-seven percent participation. Try that out sometime. And 15 to 15 was the vote, so the referendum to go dry to prohibit liquor uh, failed because you must have a majority. Uh, we spent a lot of time and a lot of money on it, but we, we felt that we should go, the, the, the uh, Board of Trustees felt that we should go to the people and let them decide. Well, we're right back where we started from because 15 of the people up there that voted said no and 15 per, uh, of the people said yes. So the bar is still in operation. You don't really have a truck up problem with it however do you not this particular bar but the history of the bar uh, we have had problems oh yes i know there's quite a history not with this bar no we we have the, not uh, we have not had problems with this particular operator but
but the operator has only been in business since the 12th of September. And uh, so we'll see if uh, if we have problems. Why well, we'll shut him down in a minute. Well, that's your privilege. That's your duty. Your duty. But uh, we'll see how it goes. We left it up to people, and people couldn't decide. Obviously, I probably drink more than anybody in the valley, and I voted uh, to go uh, to go dry. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Some of my friends said, "You got to be kidding." <laughs> What else can you tell us about Marble? Well, it's a beautiful place. We're at 8,000 feet, and we've got 13,650-foot uh, peaks going straight out of town. That's one of the best things about it. And when my wife looks out of our front room window where she grew up as a girl, she could look at White House Mountain, which is 12,500 feet tall, and it's right outside, the, right outside the front door, so to speak. As far as the economy of Marble goes, we've got a $20,000-a-year budget. we got a... A 6.02 mil levy, which isn't really that high. Uh, we're getting along pretty good. We uh, have a snowplow problem. We spend about uh, $3,000 to $3,500 of that $20,000 a year just plowing snow. It has been known to drop as much as 27 feet per winter on marble. I have known marble to be really sucked in in the wintertime. People never came out. When, well, they'd uh, come out probably along the 1st of October. Mm -hmm. And then we wouldn't see him again till the following June. No, perish the thought. I don't think I have that much kerosene. <laughs> <laughs> I know they would bring their cars out and park them here. And Elmer Bear tells of taking mail into marble and uh, on snowshoes. Yep. <laughs> Teresa Herman used to stay there year-round, and she'd prop her car up, and she'd rely on the postman to bring her uh, vittles, and she'd get water out of a spring. This is back in the 40s. She was quite a gal. Yes, she was my teacher. She, she was your teacher? She taught school here. And uh, I was, uh, I think I was in about the third grade, something like that. Well, she was a she, wonderful woman. And, uh, to my chagrins, the um, Colorado Yule Marble Company has decided to not put their fabricating plant in marble down by the old mill site. This decision was made about uh, two weeks ago. And we got a letter yeah. from them confirming it. So that's a fact now. Yes, it is. I don't know exactly where they're going to go, but uh, several reasons uh, that they wanted it to begin with about two months ago, and even surveyed the place and drew up uh, rudimentary plans, was that about 30 to 35 percent of the marble that they're going to process is waste. And they didn't want to haul it down valley to rifle or Carbondale or so on. But they changed their mind on that. One reason was that it would have cost them almost a quarter of a million dollars to get the sufficient high-powered, high-voltage power in and also to improve the private water company so they would have a sufficient water and power. Plus the fact that uh, it's a very limited space for their operation right behind the uh, firehouse, right next to the old mill site. They've got room for one plant, but if they wanted to expand that plant two or three hundred percent, then they wouldn't have the room. So it doesn't look like we're going to get the plant. I'm really disappointed because that would have upped our assessed valuation about three and a half million dollars. That's, it's amazing how uh, space seems to disappear. We used to think there was land to spare everywhere, and now there isn't room for anything. Well, they've got their, this was about uh, a three and a half, four acre site, and then there, they could have expanded a little bit, but they've got their eyes down the valley uh, between Carbondale and Glenwood on 28 acres, and they'd be right next to four lane highway. So looking at it from a business point of view, I can see why that they made the decision. It's, it's a better proposition for them, yeah. of course. We did have some opposition from the people that live in Marble and own land and run businesses there, too. 
no real strong opposition. I'd say that 90% were for it or non-committal, and about 10% uh, were against it. We did have a public hearing. Uh, you spoke about the water. If we don't have some snow, our water supply is going to be really a question in the next year or so. Did you have some snow this last couple of nights? No, just a, a skiff here and there. We've only got a foot residual storm. We usually have two and a half to three feet by now. I know it. And here we had rain most of the day yesterday. And I looked up this morning real early. I thought, oh, there's a foot of snow on the ground. And all there was a little frost. I know one gentleman up there that uh, had cistern water, and it's dried up. And another shallow well, fairly shallow, at the Thompson house is dried up. So there's two sources we know of that are dried up. Already? Yes, and my well is 50 feet deep. We first drilled it, we had 27 feet of water, and I took a good long look down there last summer. And I haven't got 27 feet of water in it. <laughs> so the first thing that's going to go are raised bed gardens. My wife is kind of unhappy about that. Next summer, that is. It's, it's just simply amazing and flabbergasting what's happening to our weather and to our water supply and what's happened to our economy because of the lack of snow. Yes, that's right. And this is uh, not the first year either. No, it isn't. Last the first year, year was not that good. But we might get one of these great big storms in the springtime. This All of a sudden. Five or six feet falls yes. over a period of two weeks. Uh, yes. Two years ago, three years ago, we had uh, we had retired, but we uh, were living in a trailer, and we were working on our house. And we thought, well, we'll pull out of here about the first week in December. And between Thanksgiving and the 6th of December, it snowed six feet. Oh, I know. It's it's amazing what happens yeah. to uh, to our weather and all that. I can remember years ago when people who lived in Marble didn't come out till spring. Oh, they yeah? were simply. Mm -hmm. The mailman went in on snowshoes and uh, skis, and now you drive out for an afternoon ride. Yeah, well, yeah. Teresa Herman, you know, lived in the town all during the Second World War, and she would jack her car up and just rely on the mailman to bring her supplies. Yes. Teresa taught here in Carbondale, and I was, I think, about in the third grade or well, something along in there. Uh -huh. Of course, she's gone now. She's gone now. Does her son live in Marble, or is he... No, he lives in Englewood. He's retired. He lives just off of Hampton and uh, Colorado Boulevard, a real nice yeah. home in, in Englewood. Or I guess it's Denver, since it's on the other side of Hampton. It'd be, it'd be South Denver, Southeast Denver. He's still a hale and hearty. Still doesn't, doesn't like to be called Buster. He likes to be called John. Well, <laughs> <laughs> as a little kid... He was Buster, period. That's right. Yes. I didn't know that after I'd known him for 40 years. He didn't like the, the nickname Buster. <laughs> well, what other things are happening at Marble? Well, it's kind of the dead time of year. If a car goes by, it's a it's an event, if you know what I mean. We don't have near the snowmobilers that we used to have. Well, when you have no snow, why you can't expect the well, snowmobiles. Well, we got enough, but it's not the fun type of snow. Yes, it is. Yeah. So, so we don't... We just don't have uh, the people up there this, this winter that we've had in the past. Would you not agree, honey? Yes. Um, uh, do you think that uh, will ever be developed into a ski area in Marble? Well, the facilities are up there, and there was some talk about people that are in the Marble Metro District developing it. But uh, And they had $5 million lined up here about three years ago, but that all fell through. So I don't know. It's... I think it will be someday, but it's going to take an awful lot of money. See, we're at the end of the line. We're in a box canyon. 
That's, that's it's the hard, trouble. It's hard to get people to come up there to go skiing. We are at the end of the line, and people will look at that first because, well, they need an outlet. That's right, and, and it's a mediocre slope. I don't ski, but I've heard from people that have taken that run up there, the one good run they've had by the chairlift, it's kind of a mediocre slope, nothing like Vail or any place like that. Plus the fact it's on the, on the west slope instead of the north slope. And it well, gets, gets an awful lot of sun. Yes. They were going to go over into Coyote Basin and then on the north side of Sheep Mountain if they would have developed it, and then they would have had another uh, Vail or Aspen run. That's about a 45 to uh, 60 degree slope over there. But yeah. there's nothing in the wind that I that I know of right now. And also, we don't have any um, um, groceries. In the summertime, we do. We have a small grocery store. And uh, we don't have any uh, restaurants. Except Beaver Lake Lodge. Except Beaver Lake Lodge, that, and he's not open all the time. And so there's really no place for people to to eat or to get any groceries to fix for themselves. We've got a lot of people come in and say, okay, where's the filling station? I said, mm -mm -mm, no filling station. No filling station. So I keep a couple of jerry cans of gas around. In fact, I even keep some unleaded for emergencies. So people really get worried when they say, no filling station? We drove over my clears and we're empty. And I said, yeah, it's 11 miles to the nearest one. So it's pretty primitive up there still. Well, that's the beautiful part of it. It's just wonderful to go up there and in virgin territory. Of course, a lot of people think they can go up and go on up to Crystal and on over to the other side. And uh, my sister and I went up with my brother one time past Crystal. And when we got up there, my sister Frances said, I'm going back on my hands and knees. She said, you can ride, but I'm going back on my hands and knees. Yeah, we were up on Schofield Pass once about 15 years ago, and that was enough for me. That, that's too tough a road. That's my old a, Jeep. I got an old 49 Jeep, and I just about tore it up getting up there and back. And that was in the summertime. Yeah, that was yeah, in the summertime. That's a wild, wild road up that way. You know, the Forest Service uh, made noises like they wanted to put some money in the Schofield Pass and also uh, in cooperation with the county. So they had two public hearings. This is about a year ago. One in uh, Crested Butte and one in Marble. And uh, the feeling was mutual among the people up here. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yes, because that's... if you get that to be a, a passable roadway, you're going to get Winnebago's up there. And uh, people that don't know what they're doing, it's going to make it even worse. So the Jeepers convinced everybody within earshot that let the Jeepers take care of rolling the rocks out of the way. and don't, don't mess with the road because they're just going to attract people that don't know what they're doing. Well, that same day when my sister and brother and I were up there, there was a Cadillac following us. And my brother says, you can't go any further. And the man driving from Cadillac, I think he was, I think he was from Chicago. He saw this Cadillac will go anywhere. <laughs> and we turned around and came back and I don't know what he did. I saw, but, uh, I saw a Cadillac with white license plates on it about a year and a half ago, Texas plates uh, being hauled out of Crystal. They got clear to the town of Crystal with a 19-foot Cadillac with that big overhang, and then they tore something up. I'll bet you that tow cost him $200, $250. Oh, I'm sure yeah. of that. The people are crazy to take those big cars up there, the same way up to the quarry. But uh, when they improve the quarry road, you'll be able to drive almost anything up there because they're going to have 23 turnouts to dodge a truck coming down with oh, the big blocks. Oh, that would be great. And they're going to spend, I believe it's over $100,000 on widening the road to 12 feet and putting gravel on it and putting a lot of drainage in it. 
That'll be great. They're not going to shut it off. The plans are now. In fact, they're going to almost encourage tourists by putting the 23 turnouts. When you see a truck, you just drive off into these turnouts. I remember Gus Darian taking a group of ladies on a tour, and one of them says, I want out. Stop and let me out. So he stopped. He says, look down there. Do you want out? And of course, there was no place to stop, so she stayed in the in the jeep. She wasn't about to get out when there's no place, not even a stepping stone, except down to the Crystal River, which is... Yeah, some people have what's called acrophobia. My mother yes. has that, and she just sweats every step of the way when she goes up there. <laughs> well, we have people coming here from Kansas. Uh, my husband's relatives living on the flatlands of Kansas. And the mm. first time they came out here, they thought we were absolutely crazy to live where you drove down the road going 60 miles an hour, although you're going down the road 20 miles an hour and bouncing up and down the other 40. <laughs> and you drove 15 miles to get three miles from home. Yeah. <laughs> but they've come back ever since. They think this is a wonderful country now. Well, Unless Dave Bemis started a... Uh, Dave Bemis started a... Uh, Jeep tour, and he can haul 12 people, I believe it is, at a time in an open, specially built Jeep, several of them. And uh, Mario Villalobos lives up there now and has been running it for him, maintaining and doing the driving. So when the people come to me, I take one long look at what they're driving, and I encourage them to go down to the Jeep tour. So we've provided quite a bit of, uh, of business for them. If they're, driving a, you know, if they're driving a big Jeep or a Cherokee or something like that, I say, yeah, you won't have any problems. But if they're driving a Chevrolet, I send them down to Mario's. Well, so many people do not know how to handle country roads. I don't know how to mm -hmm. handle city traffic, but uh, I'll take the country road. Well, so. even when, uh, even some of the uh, old timers up there have problems. There was a lady killed here about uh, two and a half years ago, up just before we got into uh, to Crystal. And uh, the truck was an old truck, and I believe that something went wrong with the steering. And this fellow's lived up there for probably 15, 20 years, so it's just a dangerous road whether you know how to drive it or not a lot of times. So it's, uh, you're taking your life in your hand when you're traveling on a road like that. We're not discouraging people from coming to Marble, no. but just be careful. Oh, I tell you, it's it's well worth the trip to go to Marble. And Even this time of year, the road's open, and it's been plowed. We've got a new plowman. John Darien died. Yes. He, plowed, was, he plowed for 36 years. That was a loss to Marble. Yeah. We found him uh, asleep with his arms across his chest, and uh, he died on a Sunday. They didn't find him till Tuesday. Goodness. And uh, we've got a nice young man up here called uh, Chris Remick with a uh, beautiful lady that's his wife and a beautiful little girl called Baby Rose. Oh, baby Ruth, I'm baby sorry. Ruth. I'm thinking about you. <laughs> and they, he's, he's doing the snow plowing now. And he's doing an excellent job. He works for Gunnison County, of course. Isn't that strange? We have Gunnison County, Pitkin County, Garfield County, Eagle County, all within a handful of miles. Isn't yeah. that terrible? And when we were teaching, when I was still teaching school, we used to have to keep several sets of school records because we had Gunnison County kids. We had Pitkin County kids, we had Garfield County kids, we had Eagle County kids, and... Well, uh, Gunnison County buses their kids to Carbondale, you know. Yes. Because they close the school up there. So... I bet you the kids hate it, too. Gloomy one way, and gloomy hour one way, and gloomy another hour coming They back. have to get up so early, <laughs> oh, and yeah. they get back so late. Before dawn, they get back after, sometimes after dark. And really and truly, I hate to see the little old country schools um, being gone. Well, we converted it... 
into a first-class museum. Yes, I know. I've been there. Yeah. And that's uh, that's quite a interesting place to be there. Well, they, that uh, museum. Speaking of that museum and the old schoolhouse, uh, they uh, the uh, district just got to, just got tired of maintaining it because it had holes in the roof and the plaster was falling off. And so this historical society took it over. I believe it was about six, seven years ago, and uh, put a new roof on it. Six thousand five hundred dollar roof, and that's what it was. That's what was needed. Now we got to patch up the inside. But it's a good, sturdy old building. Well, the buildings were built yeah. way back. Rosanna back. went to school there. Oh, you did? Yeah, mm -hmm. I went to until the sixth grade in nineteen thirty nine. We left there in nineteen thirty nine. Went to California for a while, and then came back to Littleton, Colorado. And then when Wayne and I were married, I took him up to Marble, and there. he fell in love with it. <laughs> And you've been there ever since? No, no just, not last, quite. Last five years. I retired huh? five years ago. But we've been coming up. Our six kids cut their eye teeth up in our, in our mine and down to Bogan Flats and places like that. We come up two or three times a year. We have uh, family that go to Bogan Flats every summer. So we go up there every summer, and it's such a nice place to about, be. About two years ago, Oscar McCallum, the uh, curator of the museum and yes. the president of the uh, Historical Society, was going through some of the books. And he found a workbook dated 1934 that had Rosanna's name in it. Oh. So he gave it to her. She said, he said, well, you'll, you'd cherish this much more than just having it in a museum. <laughs> Were there any grades on it or anything? Yeah, all A's. All A's. Yeah. She so. was a good kid. <laughs> yes, I'm sure precious. of that. We've got, we've got quite a few books up there, in fact. We've got a whole library. But we don't, uh, we don't let the public in because... Uh, uh, well, we don't have a place to uh, store them that, that looks good. It's in yes. a very, very small office, plus the fact they start disappearing on us. That's if, true. If we get school teachers up there and they ask us about it, we open the office up and turn them loose because, you know, these are trustworthy people. You know, we have the little jail here as our museum. Yeah, I noticed And that. someday I hope that we have a, oh, a building big enough to house all the treasures we have hidden away under beds and in the attics and the cellars and places. We've got a jail in marble. Did you ever see the jail in marble? Yes. That has quite a history, the jail in marble. Yeah, it was built in 1901, and they brought those cages in, I understand, the, uh, the cells that hold four people from St. Louis, put it on platform and built that log cabin around it, and, it's, and, the, and the cells still, are still in there. What do you know? They still work, too. Uh, we put a new roof on it over the past four years. It took us about two and a half years to get it on because of lack of labor and funds and so on. But it's got a shingle roof. It's very, very similar to the one it had on years and years ago. And then the uh, Ghost Town Club, uh, a year and a half ago, got a hold of uh, the Historical Society and said, we need a project. There'd be 36 of us. And have you got one? So we said, yeah, we're renovating the jail. It needs it real badly. They came up and gave us $100 startup money, and the town and the Historical Society provided the rest to put a whole new floor in it. And that was tricky because the floor was just completely demolished and we had these great big, maybe a thousand pound set of cells. So we jacked them up and rolled them forward on pipes, put the new floor in the back, and rolled them back on the pipes, put the new floor in the front. That was quite a project. They did it in two days flat. That's all new floor joists, headers, and the flooring is, is an inch and a half thick and didn't charge us anything. And they split into three groups, 12 in each group. And the, and the second 12 went down to the um, historical mill site and cut weeds and willows for full, full two days. We had a stack there 17 feet tall we burned. And the third group of 12 went up to the museum and used up about 10, 15 gallons of paint, painting the inside and the outside of the museum. Isn't it wonderful what 
volunteer labor can do. Yeah, yes. these, these were the Jeepers. I can't remember the exact name, but it's a ghost town club that uses Jeeps to go to all these ghost towns. They're really nice people. Yeah, it's kind of heartwarming to see to have something like that happen in a small town where you can't afford to do it. Well, your church has, has quite a history also. A little church in Marble. Yes. I uh, made my first communion there, and my mother, well, she came in 1908, and my father in 1906, and uh, she when the priest used to come over from Aspen and, and uh, Mom would have him, he'd stay at our house. And uh, She witnessed the church. And so she she was there when they brought the church over from Aspen. That's, and my mother is 90. Also. My mother is 96, will be 97 in April. She lives in Denver in a beautiful Catholic uh, home for the aged. Does she, uh, is she still able to come to visit in Marble? No, we brought her up uh, when I first retired about five years ago, and uh, she fell and cracked her pelvis. She couldn't, got high blood pressure and the high altitude, she just couldn't stand it. We were going to have her live with us, so it was kind of a trial run. But she just couldn't uh, couldn't take the altitude, and she was uh, about 90 then, wasn't she? So we we had to put her in a home. But this home is, is just an absolutely beautiful place. It's a Mullen home for the aged out in North Denver. Have you visited our Carbonell, the nursing home? No, I haven't. We have it. It is beautiful and nice too. And of course, we also have our new senior housing, mm -hmm. and we have sixteen units, all full and a waiting list. How many people in the uh, nursing home? Right now, I don't know how many are there. It is a sixty-bed. Oh, sixty-bed capacity. Uh -huh. But I do not know how many people they have there now. Well, keep me in slide, keep me in mind for my slideshow for those two installations. Oh, they would love them. Both both groups would just be fascinated. And I have seen your or some of your slides, and I too think they're they're wonderful. Well, you so, keep me in mind. Give me a call. Oh, I'd like to do that. So you'll be hearing from me quite soon. Right now, they've had quite a lot of illness at the nursing home, this flu and all. But um, they were out Wednesday up at the Catholic Church where we have uh, luncheons mm -hmm. every every second Wednesday. Mm -hmm. And it was nice to see them out, and I know they were happy to be out also. And, of course, at the uh, senior housing, we have um, 16 one-bedroom units, lovely apartments. I was on the Denver lecture circuit for the elderly up until I retired. And I, <clears throat> what I have done in the last 25 years is take slides of people's pictures. So it looks like you're right there. So look, and my slide shows 1873 to 1980. And a little old lady came up to me just after I'd gotten done. She said, your oldest slide is 1873? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, you sure don't look that old. <laughs> <laughs> you know what this little girl did the other night? She looked at me and she says, how old are you? And I didn't used to tell my age. And I said, well, I was 82, really 83. Oh, she says, you, you ought to be 102. <laughs> and she was paying me a compliment to her dad. I think he nearly fell out of the chair when she said that because... A hundred is much better than an eighty grade. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you mean. <laughs> so it's 
but uh, the uh, years ago we had a newspaper here in town. In fact, I have a sheet of the uh, of a newspaper, Carbondale Advance paper, that's a hundred and two years old. Mm. I have it under glass, and uh, but when I was in high school, I was working for our newspaper man, Mr. Pierce, and he sent me to Marble, and I rode the train. Oh, I thought I was important. I thought I was so big and all, and I had a cousin living in Marble where I could stay. Probably know Bill Smith. Oh, of course. Katie and Bill Smith. Oh, of course. Yeah, they, they stopped by just recently. And, this uh, last summer. No. And uh, so uh, Mr. Pierce told me to tell people that I was getting subscriptions for and all. He says, tell me you're working your way through college. Boy, was I important. <laughs> well, Bill Smith is Elsie Fenton's brother. Yes. Yeah. Yes, Bill passed away. It'll be a year ago yeah. now. Yeah. And Elsie was just a year. Uh, yes. Of course, we knew Bill and Elsie and all their family. Oh, all my life I've known them. Well, I said he stopped by. It must have been a year, year and a half, two years ago. I'm getting Probably. old. I can't remember these dates. Well, that's, time goes so fast that <laughs> it it's like an accordion pleat. It just all <laughs> squeezes together. We stopped by and had a pleasant hour or so with... Uh, Elmer Bear and his wife. Oh, aren't they wonderful? Bought his book people? and uh, sat there and listened to the the dry wit of that man. It's fantastic. It's absolutely fantastic. I have uh, tapes of Elmer Bear, and of course I bought his books to send to my kids that are not living here anymore because they knew him as little little kids. Well, he was in Marble, you know, and he ran the the uh, tramway when the Unknown Soldier's Tomb. Yes, he brought the, that slab of big rock out. Now, quite a guy. Well, it's been great having you here tonight, and uh, I will ask you to come back again. Okay. Thank you very much, Mary. We when, enjoyed it. When you have more news of marble and old times and all. Well, next August be a good time. I'll come before that, but next August we're going to have a block party. The first block of marble coming off the hill is going to be taken out in the first week of August, and we're going to have an old-timers reunion, Marble's old-timers reunion, the oh, first week in good. August. You know, our old-timers reunion brought 40, 400 people. So I hope you do the same. Well, we, we got 125 three years ago. So everybody's invited to Marble Reunion next August. You can check with me, 963-0358, if you need any particulars. 963-0358. That is Wayne Brown, the mayor of Marble. And you are invited to a party next August. Block party. A block party. First block. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another fantastic installment of This I Remember by Mary Ferguson. For the full archive of all of the episodes, please visit carbondalehistory.org. If you would like to be able to search through the entire transcription library of all of her episodes, please email info at carbondalehistory.org. Thanks so much. Stay tuned. Subscribe.